It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down, break down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Oregon has just become the first state to do this, and campaign season's here. What are the positives and negatives you look for in a political race? But first, give us your bottom line. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. News Radio 610 K1A, hour number two of the bottom line underway. Rob Francis hanging with you. Ed Dawson taking a little time off. Our poll question today at Bottom Line 610 on Twitter deals with the citizenship question on the U.S. Census. It's expected to be released, the decision by the Supreme Court in the next day or two. What do you think they will do? And to help us, well, maybe get a little insight on that is Karen Lugo, a constitutional scholar who is also the founder of the Libertas West Project, a center for uh, study of Islamic immigration radicalization issues. She's also uh, the co-director of the Center of Constitutional Jurisprudence. Karen, thank you for your time this afternoon. We really appreciate you joining us. I'm glad to be with you. So this is a very timely day for this discussion, as in the next day or two, we expect the Supreme Court to hand down their decision on what will shape the 2020 census. Uh, Give us a little bit of history first on the citizenship question on the census. It's not like we haven't had that question on there before. Exactly right. And going back, actually, to before there was an actual census, when our country was established and the the states were initially settled, citizenship was and immigration was all a matter of a question of state government. And as the Constitution was ratified and adopted, citizenship fell squarely to the, the ultimate power and authority and oversight of Congress. So Congress's role is is over all of the citizenship issues, and they are the ones who should be most concerned if there is a question on the census that does not jive with you know, what their intentions are politically, with what they think that the country, with the priorities of the country and, and the agenda that, that they are, are seeing for immigration and citizenship. So back in 1830, the first census citizenship question was asked. And for most of the time between then and until 1950, the citizenship question was asked on each census. After 1950, it became a matter of asking the question on the long-form survey, which is called the American Community Survey. And that is distributed to a few random households compared to the entire population, which happens every 10 years. And so the information from the ACS, which is the long form, was then used to kind of derive an expectation as to what the numbers are on the 10-year census survey. And so the question was not asked anymore on the 10-year form. But the problem that has occurred in the intervening years is that with all of the illegal immigrant Influx and the fact that there were states and communities, counties, cities that became sanctuaries, there, there were certain areas where there were larger populations of illegal immigrants. And so over time, these concentrations have allowed a shift in 
voting power, in essence. They've allowed construction of congressional districts, shifts in, in power of congressional districts, and this has also impacted the Electoral College. So this is why the citizenship question is so critically important for this next census. We're talking with constitutional scholar Karen Lugo here on the bottom line. Uh, Karen, what was the reason given for removing uh, the citizenship question from the short form and only keeping it on the long form? There has been concern over years, and I don't know that this was what drove the removal of the question, but... Certainly now the controversy is that certain people might be deterred from answering the question and therefore returning their census form by this particular question. And this would be, of course, people that might be concerned about um, um, releasing, revealing the information as to whether they are here legally or not. However, that is not a question that is asked. It is simply a matter of, are you a U.S. citizen? And then the results that are returned may not be distributed or shared, released with any other with agencies or to the press. So there isn't when it comes to this kind of a concern. They've also looked at other questions like marital status that seem to deter some answers. And and there does not seem to be a prevailing sense that this particular question is going to create the kind of, of, of non-response rate um, that is being argued. And in addition, the attorneys who have um, argued for the courts on behalf of withdrawing the question have admitted how very valuable this kind of information is. They're just saying the government should obtain it some other way, which I doubt in reality that would be something they would support. So if an individual happens to be in the country, either overstaying a visa or happens to be in the country illegally, uh, and they get a copy of the census, if they answer that question that, no, they're not a citizen, ICE isn't coming to their house a week after they return it, that information is not shared with anyone. No, no. The information may not be shared. It, 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 is a, a, it is not legal to share the information in any way. And there have actually been studies as to how long it has taken some information that has been garnered by the census to even be released to, to places like think tanks. It, it takes decades to, to legally obtain this kind of information. So there, there is no colorable concern as far as that goes. And, and when you look at the, the reality of what's happened with the shift in voting power and the fact that Alabama is now suing because they fear they will lose a congressional seat this next after the, the uh, results of the next census. And with the fact that California has gained five to six, depending on how the numbers are counted, it's there is definitely a, a very important priority issue as to the country's concern when it comes to the representation and, and vote dilution and the fact that this information is needed to enforce Voter Rights Act law. We're talking with constitutional scholar Karen Lugo, who is the founder of the Libertas West Project and also the co-director of the Center of Constitutional Jurisprudence. Uh, Karen, why with the... 
amount of population influx the United States has enjoyed for the better part of a century, at least a century, maybe closing in on a century and a half. Why is it every 10 years that we do a a comprehensive census instead of, say, every five? Because of the fact that the, the long form goes out every year. There still is a gathering of the information, in fact, a a much wider range of questions. So it it seems as if between the 10-year mark and this time in between where there's still input based on on the long form, it it doesn't seem that it, it is vital enough to spend the kind of money and make the effort that it does involve to contact every single household in the United States. But it does make it a very big fight when if the question is not asked this time in 2020, if it were a matter of having to wait another 10 years, these demographic shifts and and congressional districts and electoral college issues will be much, much greater an additional 10 years from now. We know back in the 1980s we had a little bit of a immigration crisis, and that was when President Reagan uh, signed off on the last amnesty, and I believe it was 86 or 87 that that happened. Uh, we didn't hear the same calls then for the citizenship question to come back onto the census. Uh why is it such a point right now to make sure that we get it on twenty uh, on the twenty twenty census? Um, is it politically motivated, or is it just trying to get the numbers right? At this point, there have been many more immigrants who are here now. Again, many people who would be here and who would not be citizens, could be exchange students, could be um, permanent aliens, resident aliens, could be here legally or could be traveling, visiting, or uh, here on on a visa. So it's not a matter of everyone and what they think is about a 26 million person figure that is non-citizen and here at, at any average given time. So... What is within that number, though, that is illegal immigrant and likely attracted by the sanctuary city movement, those numbers, because of the concentration of residents in certain areas, those numbers become very powerful when it becomes a matter of forming a congressional district that would not have qualified without them. And so that is something that is a new phenomenon that would not have been present at the point that President Reagan signed and agreed to Simpson-Mazzoli Act based on the fact that that was going to be the last amnesty. But but a sanctuary city kind of movement did not follow that. And, And now, of course, we additionally have sanctuary states. We're talking with Karen Lugo, constitutional scholar, founder of the Libertas West Project and co-director of the Center of Constitutional Jurisprudence. We also know, Karen, tied with the uh, congressional districts, there are a number of states that are fighting this, California, New York, Oregon, Washington, just to mention a couple, that also receive significant amounts of federal money to fund programs based on their 
population. How much money are we talking that these states could potentially lose if the citizenship question is put on the census? We, it's hard to know the even an estimate of what the, the funds at stake would be, but it certainly appears to be a significant amount depending on those areas where there may be a concentration of several sanctuary cities. So it, it, at any time, it, it's hard to know how many immigrants are here who are unlawful. But and we all understand that, that there's the with the fact that we have a border that's so close um, to certain states. So we've got the shared border, California, Texas, and there's the flow back and forth. But when you're considering the fact that those who have settled here and are staying here are participating in federal programs and by just the clout of having the additional congressional representation. So if you have one state like California that did gain, it's expected between five and six, the conservative number is five additional congressional seats that definitely amounts to a considerable amount of leverage when it comes to obtaining the federal the federal dollars and programs. Uh, Karen, before we let you go, and thank you very much for your time today, the big question. You know, we know the way the court is comprised right now. There are also a lot of observers of the Supreme Court that have been somewhat surprised with some of the rulings that have come down this session because they haven't lined up and some of the judges haven't lined up necessarily the way they have been expected to. With your knowledge of the Constitution, where do you think the Supreme Court is going to come down on the citizenship question for the census? I don't see how it is not one of the most important foundational factors, whether going to the 14th Amendment, which is where a lot of the concern for equal treatment and voting rights um, stems, I don't see how this is not one of the most critical issues to get right. But um, I don't think when it comes to making predictions, it always has to do with what one would expect that is constitutionally sound. But sometimes it's a matter of of justices and and how what their perspectives are. And, And in most cases, there are some technical issues to this one that have to do with some procedural or some legal aspects that don't really go directly to the heart of the issue we've discussed as far as the question on the census. So bottom line, I mean, it it appeared from the line of questioning when the arguments were presented that it would likely be a 5-4 split. But as usual, it's a matter of which way that fifth vote goes. It very well could, could be a matter based on who's on the court now of upholding the the question on the 2020 census. But as you were saying, not surprising if it went the other way. Which judge are you watching most intently as to their decision on this question? I know after having spent a summer, the last uh, session that Chief Justice Rehnquist taught when he was uh, with us, he was very burdened by the the duty on the court to be above the fray, so to speak, and, and to be neutral and to appear non-political. And I know there is always that pull on a chief justice. And sometimes I fear that that, that pull becomes 
a matter of, of some political um, kind of, of reasoning where there's this temptation to think that in, to avoid the appearance of being political that the court might might just remove itself from a certain issue and, and, and go on to fight another day or, or present the more controversial opinions or decisions another day. So that's where I would hope that, that Chief Justice Roberts is very clearly looking at, at the law, and I would never, you know, accuse him of, of being swayed by political um, wins. But on the other hand, listening to Chief Justice Rehnquist talking with this small group of, of students, it, you could tell that it was a very, very um, sober responsibility for a chief and sometimes there is some kind of a sense that there's a mission to that. And so that's, you know, that's an opinion that I would be watching closely in this case, but hoping that the Constitution prevails. Karen Lugo, constitutional scholar, founder of the Libertas West Project and co-director of the Center of Constitutional Jurisprudence. Thank you very much for your time today. Appreciate your insights. Thank you.